Back in 2007, a really interesting book came out by a guy named David Kinnaman called Unchristian. Has anyone heard of it? Unchristian, maybe? No, okay. Uh, Kinnaman spent three years researching how the millennial generation views Christianity. And depending on who you ask, the millennial generation varies a little bit, but it's probably from about people born in 1982 or so until, um, I think, 2002. Those are the millennials. And sadly, a lot of what he found wasn't very encouraging. There's a lot from his findings that are worth thinking about and talking about, but What's most relevant for us tonight is his finding that 85% of young non-Christians would describe Christians as hypocritical. 85% of young non-Christians would describe Christians as hypocritical. Similarly, in 2008, the research arm of the Southern Baptist Convention did a study of their own and found that 72% of unchurched people So that's not just millennials, but in general. 72% of unchurched people surveyed would describe the church as, quote, full of hypocrites. So 72% is a little better than 85, but considering that it's not just millennials, and millennials tend to have a worse view than uh, the population at large, that's not really much better. Now, I can understand if you feel a little defensive when you hear those statistics. When I heard them, I thought, well, if these people who are being surveyed aren't actually involved in a church, you know, maybe they don't really have much experience being around Christians, so their only exposure is really through stories that you hear on the news, and most of those are about corruption and scandal and that sort of thing, because that's what is newsworthy. Um, So maybe their assessment of the church really doesn't have much bearing on reality. Um, and I do think that, you know, to some extent, their, expression, their impression of the church might be a little skewed. But Kinnaman says, and this is an exact quote, as we probed why young people had come to such conclusions, I was surprised how much their perceptions were rooted in specific stories and personal interactions with Christians and in churches. When they labeled Christians as judgmental, or hypocritical, or, you know, whatever negative perception the study found. This was not merely spiritual defensiveness. It was frequently the result of truly unchristian experiences. We discovered that the descriptions that young people offered of Christianity were more thoughtful, nuanced, and experiential than we expected. So there's a lot of people outside the church who think that those of us in the church are hypocrites. And according to Kinnaman, a lot of them have good reasons. Now, is Kinnaman right? Are the people he surveyed right? Are Christians on the whole hypocritical? Well, I'm not interested in accusing anyone of hypocrisy tonight, but I do think that all of us need to reflect carefully on whether or not who we profess to be lines up with who we actually are. Because if the evaluation of those outside the church is so consistent, there might be something to it. And as we're going to see from the passage we're going to look at tonight, Jesus is not a fan of hypocrisy. If you've been with us the last two weeks, you know we've been working our way through Jesus' seven woes to the religious leaders in Matthew 23. Last week we did the third and the fourth woes, where Jesus says, Oh, how terrible for you. That's what I'm calling the woes, the oh, how terrible for you's. 
to those who use religion as a way to justify dishonesty and to those who focus on rules for the sake of rules without recognizing the value behind the rule or the real point of the rule. Tonight we're looking at the fifth and sixth woes, and they both have the same theme, and I'm pretty sure at this point you can guess what that is. Uh, so let's look at what Jesus has to say. This is Matthew 23, 25 through 28, and hopefully we'll have it on the screen. Okay. Matthew, 25, Matthew 23, 25 through 28. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside also will be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You're like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. So tough love from Jesus here. What is a hypocrite anyway? Well, the Greek word for hypocrite, hypocrites, uh, is actually the word that was used to refer to Greek stage actors especially actors who would use large masks with mechanical devices to amplify their voices. So you know when you see like the symbols of Greek comedy and tragedy and you have like that happy face and that sad face? Those are the, the kind of masks that the hypocrites would use. And so this term hypocrite has the connotation of actor. Jesus is saying that the Pharisees are people who wear masks, they're playing a part, but it's not really who they are. They're performers. Now, being an actor can be a good thing if you're an entertainer, right? But if you're a spiritual leader, it's a serious problem. Actually, even if you're not a leader, you know, if you're just someone who professes to follow Christ, it's still a serious problem. For leaders, it's especially bad because of the scope of your influence. But no matter who you are, it's a serious problem. And Jesus uses two metaphors to show us how bad of a problem it is. The first one is this metaphor of a cup or a dish that's been cleaned on the outside, but not on the inside. So to be hypocritical is to be like a cup that looks all shiny on the shelf, but when you take it off the shelf and you look inside, it's lined with sand or soil or cigarette butts, I don't know, something gross, or a spider. I remember uh, one summer when we were at our family's old vacation home in Maine, my brother reached in uh, the cabinet for a cereal bowl the first morning we were there, and there was just this big old spider sitting right in the middle of it. It was awful. And I think he just tossed it out in the back lawn. But that start you get when you look in a dish or a cup and you see something that doesn't belong there, I want you to think of how upsetting that is. Because that's the way Jesus feels about hypocrisy. That's the metaphor for how bad hypocrisy is. Last week, uh, we talked about how the Pharisees kept missing the point because they'd focus on rules, like tithing their spices, but they neglect to practice the values behind the rules, like justice, mercy, faithfulness. And hypocrisy is another example of missing the point. It's focusing on something that's not particularly important, the exterior appearance, while ignoring what really matters, which is the condition of the heart, the condition of our character. And the cup and dish metaphor really brings out that idea, I think, uh, that hypocrisy is missing the point. 
Because a cup or a, or a dish that's sparkly clean on the outside but covered with grime on the inside is pointless. Because the inside is the part where the food touches. <laughs> so I'm sure if any of us had the choice, do we want a cup or a dish that's clean on the outside or the inside, we'd pick the inside. <clears throat> if, I'm, uh, if I'm outside at a picnic and a bug lands on the outside of my solo cup, I will just brush it away. <laughs> but if I look inside and the bug is swimming around in there, that's a bigger deal. That's going to concern me more. So there's no doubt which one is more important, but the Pharisees were focusing on the wrong one. Then there's the second metaphor Jesus uses. He says, you were like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but the, on the inside are full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. Part of the Mosaic law uh, said that if you touched something that had died, you were ceremonially unclean. And so the Pharisees, as they often did, they took this rule one step further. And so they said, not only is touching a dead body going to make you unclean, but even touching the tomb of an unclean body is going to make you unclean. So there was this practice of painting all the tombs white. So it was very obvious when you saw them from a distance, oh, that's a tomb, and I shouldn't touch it if I don't want to become unclean. And every year, they would repaint them. They would re-whitewash re them. So when Jesus uses this image, he's referring to something that would have been very familiar to the Pharisees. And what he's saying is that because they're hypocrites, the Pharisees are themselves like these whitewashed tombs because they're clean on the outside, but on the inside, they're dead. The white paint on the tomb doesn't change the fact that its contents are still dead and unclean. That's why the Pharisees won't even touch the white paint because they still know the interior is unclean. So as I was looking at this passage, I wondered, why does Jesus use two metaphors? You know, is he just trying to provide extra emphasis, or is there something more to it? And I don't know this for sure, but I have to wonder if maybe what Jesus is trying to do here is to show that hypocrisy does two things. First, it hurts others, and second, it hurts ourselves. So in the metaphor of the cup and dish, the emphasis is on the fact that hypocrisy hurts others. Because in that metaphor, the spiritual leader is like the cup or dish, right? And that cup or dish is supposed to act like a receptacle for the presence of God. And then others can then come and eat or drink from that cup or dish. And that's not just true of pastors. You know, it's particularly true of pastors and church leaders. But in general, we all as Christians are meant to be cups and dishes, metaphorically speaking, that receive and then serve the presence of God. Uh, so ideally, what happens is that we're filled up with God's presence and power, like cups filled to the brim with life-giving water or, or bowls filled with nourishing food. And, uh, and then people, especially people outside of the church, can come and eat and drink from us. And they can, as the psalmist says, taste and see that the Lord is good. But when we're hypocritical, what happens is that people come to us for spiritual nourishment, but when they get a good look at the inside of the cupboard or the dish, they find a spider uh, or sand or whatever gross thing no one wants to find in there. And then that makes them recoil in disgust. And then they don't want to eat or drink from that source any longer. It's kind of like when you eat something, then you get sick shortly afterward, and then you never want to eat that thing again, even if you loved it before. 
For me, it was a bacon Subway sandwich. Never again. Because you have, <laughs> you have a negative association that keeps you away from that point on. So hypocrisy hurts other people. It drives them away because no one wants to eat from a dirty dish or from a sandy cup. And the first metaphor emphasizes that. But the second metaphor brings out the fact that hypocrisy is bad for the hypocrite, too. Because if hypocrites are like whitewashed tombs, then the true identity of a hypocrite is a dead person. A hypocrite is a corpse. A hypocrite isn't really alive. And I think there are two main reasons for that. The first is the simple fact that a hypocrite isn't in a healthy relationship with God. And that means that he or she is missing out on the real point of life. He or she is missing out on the life that is truly life. Jesus said, now this is eternal life, that they would know you, the only true God, in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That's where real life is found, in this relationship of, of knowing God. And that's just not, not just factual knowledge, but actual relationship. Like, you know, I, I don't know the president. You know, I know of him, but I don't know, I don't know him. But Jesus is talking about this relational, relational knowledge. Um, that's where the real life is found. And the hypocrite doesn't really have that, that, that knowledge of God, that experience of God. But the second reason the hypocrite is dead is because the hypocrite is burdened with this terrible work of maintaining a false image. Maintaining an act isn't easy. Uh, that's why we give some people Academy Awards, you know, because not everyone can do that very well. Now, it also takes work to be a person of true character. And the reason people become hypocrites is because they want to be known as people of true character, but they don't want to actually do the work of being people of true character. They want a shortcut. On the Wikipedia page for hypocrisy, I found this line, which I thought was appropriate. It is much easier to seem fair than to be fair. And since laziness is built deep into human nature, humans more often choose appearance over reality. That's the truth. But what's also true, and that this is what we usually miss, is that when we choose appearance over reality, we still choose to do something that takes work. The difference, though, is that it's the kind of work that doesn't bring life. Doing the work of becoming a person of true character, that's a work that brings life, brings life to yourself and to others. But working to maintain a false image, that's the kind of work that leads to death. Because all the hypocrite's energy is invested in this maintenance of a lie. And that's no way to live. So hypocrisy is really bad. Jesus hates hypocrisy. Simple. It hurts others, it hurts us. So how do we avoid it? I think we need to start by recognizing that each of us really has three selves. So first, there's who you really are. That's self number one. Second, there's who we profess to be. So that's the self that we present to everybody else, the reputation we try to create for ourselves. And then lastly, there's the third self, which is the self that we want to become. So who we are, who we profess to be, and who we want to become. Now, it's actually a good thing for there to be a gap between who we are and who we're trying to become. Right? Because on this side of heaven, none, none of us are going to arrive at perfection. Um, we've always got work to do. And the life that God calls us to is one of becoming increasingly more and more like his son, like Jesus. 
So if at any point we, we become com completely content and we think, well, I've become who I'm supposed to be, then you know, we've missed the boat a little bit. We've gotten off track because there's always more to do. So hip hypocrisy is not this gap between who we are and who we're becoming. Um, but hypocrisy is when there's a gap between who you are and that second self, who you profess to be. And that was the Pharisees' problem. They cleaned the outside of the cup and dish. They painted the tombs white. They were making this effort to cultivate a reputation of being selfless and righteous and moral and clean, but they were actually greedy, self-indulgent, wicked, unclean, in Jesus' own words. So as followers of Christ, what we need to do is we've got to make this, this effort to close that gap between who we are and who we profess to be. We want those two selves to be as identical as possible. And Jesus gives us the way for that. He says in verse 26, first clean the inside of the cup, and then the outside will also be clean. First clean the inside of the cup, and then the outside will also be clean. In other words, don't worry so much about your reputation. Stop being so concerned about the outside of the cup. Instead, focus on the inside. Focus on your actual behavior, your actual motivation. Work on that. Then the outside will be clean, but not before. Now, I'm not trying to say that it's wrong to care about what other people think of you. I mean, Jesus did say the world will know we are disciples by our love. So we should care about whether or not people think we're loving. But we shouldn't care more about whether or not people think we're loving than whether we actually are loving. That's the danger. And I think one of the first steps to overcoming hypocrisy is getting those priorities in order. Who we are is more important than who others think we are. If there's just one line that you take away from tonight, from anything I've said, that's, that's what I... I think needs to be remembered. You know, who we really are is more important than who others think we are. We've got to be more concerned about whether or not we actually pray than whether or not people think we pray. We've got to be more concerned about whether or not we actually work hard than whether or not people think we're hard workers. We've got to be more concerned about whether or not we actually steward our money well than whether or not people notice us putting something in the offering plate. Because until we get to that point, we're always going to be cleaning the outside of the dish and not the inside. And when that happens, it's only a matter of time before the people around us end up hurt or disgusted because they find themselves drinking from a dirty cup. And it's only a matter of time before we end up feeling dead inside because our true self has been neglected for the sake of a performance. It's a no-win situation. And when we care more about what others think, and who we actually are, what we're really doing is caring more about the opinions of people than about God's opinion. Because God sees, you know, right through those shiny exteriors and our whitewashed tombs. We can't hide our true selves from God. And the good news is that we don't have to, because he loves us in spite of our dirty interiors. God doesn't want us to hide from him until we get cleaned up. He wants us to come to him to get cleaned up. But in order to do that, we've got to stop caring about the truth more than our reputation. We've got to care more about God's opinion than human opinion. That's the first step. First clean the inside, and then the outside will be clean.
To finish up, I'd like to offer some advice for two groups of people who I think there's a good chance you're both here. Uh, some of you might feel like you belong to both of these groups. The first group are those who feel like they've been the victims of hypocrisy. Maybe you're here tonight and you feel like you've had that experience of drinking from a dirty cup and being totally turned off by it. Maybe you've, you're, you've been tempted to give up on church entirely you know, and go somewhere completely different to meet that spiritual hunger. And if that's you, I want to say, well, first, thanks for being here anyway. Um, I'm glad you came. But second, don't ever let other people's hypocrisy be the thing that determines for you whether or not Jesus was a hypocrite. I know it's tempting to do that because we can't see Jesus right in front of us. You know, people are the only Jesus we see sometimes. We want to see Jesus' power evident in other people. And whenever we realize that someone who professes to follow Jesus is really just wearing a mask, it can lead us to think that even Jesus himself was just wearing a mask. But Jesus wasn't wearing a mask. Jesus talked a big game when he talked about loving one's enemies and turning the other cheek and doing whatever his father wanted him to do. But he, he wasn't all talk. You know, he followed through even to the point of death, to dying on a cross. So there was no gap between who Jesus professed to be and who he actually was. And even if every person on earth who claimed to follow Jesus was a hypocrite, that still wouldn't make Jesus a hypocrite. It wouldn't change that. It would just highlight the truth that Jesus was no mere man. So don't let a Christian's flaws keep you from Christ. The second group I want to offer some advice for are those of you who do feel like you're being hypocritical. Maybe tonight you've heard Jesus' words and you've thought, I really think Jesus might be talking about me. There is a big gap between my reputation and who I actually am. And I do often care more about what other pe people think about me than what God thinks about me. And if that's you and you don't want to be that way anymore, there's one thing that I would really encourage you to do. And that's to find one person, just one person who you can trust. It could be a Christian friend, a pastor, a parent, wherever God leads you, and tell that person who you really are. Just say, you know, this is me, and let them know. Confess. John says, if we confess our sins to one another, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So that's how the interior of the cup starts to get clean, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Confession. We've got to move out of hiding and into the light. And it starts with confession. And maybe if we start doing that, then 80-something percent of the next generation won't be saying the church is full of hypocrites. So I'm going to ask you all to stand right now. Because uh, we're going to sing a song, we're going to continue in worship, uh, and this song is called Search Our Hearts, and I thought it was a really appropriate one to sing. I didn't pick it, Matt picked it, but it's neat how these things line up a lot of the time. Um, and I like it because, you know, we've been talking about how you can't put on a mask for God. And so the best thing to do is just, if you've been putting on a mask, start by getting real with God because he already knows the truth. You know, and then from there, as the cup gets cleaned, you can start being real with others as well. 
So as we sing this, let's try to remember that Jesus wants to remove this burden of maintaining a false self. He wants to free us from that. And let's ask him to search us so that we ourselves can know whether or not we're being hypocritical. Because sometimes we don't know. Sometimes we're so good that we even fool ourselves. And we, we really need to ask God uh, to search our hearts so that we can know ourselves too. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you so much that you know us through and through and you still love us anyway. I pray, Lord, that none of us would feel like we need to continue to carry this burden of maintaining a false self. I pray that you would set us free from hypocrisy, God. I pray that who we profess to be would be the same as who we are. I pray if the gap there is wide between those two, that it would, it would narrow, God. And we know it's never going to be completely perfect, Lord. But we ask that as we walk in the power of your spirit, you continue to refine us and make us more like Jesus and close that gap. I pray, Lord, that where there's, there needs to be confession, there would be confession, that there would be freedom, uh, that what has been in, in the dark for a long time might come into the light and that people would find healing. And God, we give you all thanks and praise. Um, we pray that you'd search our hearts, that you'd show us who we really are, and uh, that you would give us the courage to walk in the light. In Jesus' name, amen.